0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: In the Gun, episode number 110 here of your new favorite WV football podcast. I am Wesley Euler with the best teammates in the business. We got the runaway beer truck down the sideline, big Owen Schmidt. And of course, the signal caller, Jed Drenning. You already know that this episode of ITG is brought to you in part by our friends at BetOnline, where the game starts. And gentlemen, speaking of starts, um, the college football playoff going to start to heat up tonight. Uh, We're recording this. It's Monday evening. But Tuesday, the first college football playoff rankings will come out. And um, I, I don't know, guys. Part of me thinks this won't be quite as dramatic in the future. You know, when, when, when the field's going to be expanded and at least the parameters are... Still not crystal clear, but more clear than they at least are now in the 14 playoff of how you qualify and all these different things. Um, but this year is shaping up to be a re- – I mean, you could have a lot of one-loss teams. There's going to be a lot of uh, debate here. You know, who's got uh, – Oklahoma or Texas. Will Oklahoma beat Texas head-to-head? Well, Texas has the better loss because it's to Oklahoma. You know, all these one-loss teams. Um, what happens if – you know, someone like Florida State drops a game. Um, there's there's the SEC factor in this as well, too. Uh, Penn State has one loss. Ohio State, Michigan, what happens there down the stretch? Uh, for the last year of it being a 14 playoff, gentlemen, this, uh, this one has the chance to go out with a bang and a, a lot of attention and a lot of debate around these rankings every single week.
2: Yeah, I, I think – Oh, man, yeah. First of all, we talked last week. You guys were both doing the polite thing there and waiting for the other person to That's right. We were. We talked last week about the goings-on at Michigan. And, boy, it felt like something was going to happen last week. But it sounds like this black cloud is going to hover over Ann Arbor for quite some time. I mean, now we're out of the bye week for Michigan, into game week. Uh, They might have this thing hanging over them for the duration of the season. Uh, and th- there's a fair to middling chance they come out number one in this debut CFP poll. I mean, we'll see, right? But uh, good chance. Yeah. We, we kind of know who the top four are going to be in this initial poll, outside of some surprise. I, I don't know that Washington is going to slip in. Washington had that that performance where they didn't score a touchdown, the fifteen to seven win when they were heavily favored. So I think that's going to be held against them. But it's one of those deals that really nobody has a long list of big wins. I mean, you could argue that the highest quality win was uh, perhaps Ohio State over Penn State by the nature of the, the way that it unfolded. But, you know, it's, I think you know your top four in Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. But as you touched on, Wes, as this plays out, oh, and these some of these teams are going to beat each other. But it's interesting to see how the poll starts, who's in the first top four.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right now, I was just kind of looking it up on my phone or whatnot. And uh, it seems, you know, oh, man, pretty good little playoff here. And then the expansion is going to 12 teams, correct? Next yep, year? Correct. Next correct. Year. Yep. Yep. So, like, Wes, we were kind of w- chatting about it a little bit just earlier there. It'll be a lot more kind of easy going. Uh, next year but this year it just seems like there's just so much kind of because i mean who knows you've got the I four mean, georgia, un... michigan tcu ohio state is that is that what you're seeing no
1: that's that was last that was last year right yeah are well, you seeing see that are you see? are you looking at the one from, year's from, from last question. year's five i looked four. at the
0: wrong one yeah
1: no so as jeb, jeb pointed out right there's the four undefeated teams georgia michigan ohio state and florida state yeah, but Ohio like State, and Michigan, State, yep. Ohio State and Michigan have to play each other. So one of those teams is, is going to yeah. lose at least a game. Um, and then again, what if Florida State drops one? What if, you know, what if Georgia runs the table and then loses in the SEC championship game by three points? What if what if Florida State loses to to Duke? Um, you know, that's where it gets interesting to me, because I think you'll have one or two undefeated teams. Like, I think either Michigan or Ohio Ohio State Florida will State. finish undefeated. Michigan. They Florida they beat – did they beat Duke? Then who's the – you're right. Is it UN? The they, they've got one – they've got Florida left on their schedule. Yeah. They've actually got a pretty easy schedule. There goes my thumbs-up thing going again on the on the Zoom screen here.
2: <laughs> they've got – Florida
1: State has a – yeah, read it off for me. I know they still play Florida. The most dangerous one
2: left is maybe this Saturday against a team that loves to destroy whatever conference it's in. Uh, you can count on Pitt for one thing and that's to hurt whatever That's conference. for
1: their head coach to be a big old baby yes. about everything. Oh, wait, now, hey, even,
2: even when they win the ACC, they have to first lose to a max school and then embarrass the ACC by winning it. They can't just win the ACC. They have to lose to Western Michigan and then win it so they can embarrass their conference. So what would be more Pitt than knocking Florida State out of the playoffs? Now, I can't for the life of me see that happening, but that's who they got this week. They got pit and then they host Miami, and then North Alabama, yeah. the playoff game. And then hey, they've they, at Florida,
0: they
1: got two two rivalry games yeah. here with Miami and Florida. Crazy yep. things can happen.
2: Um, and do you yeah, really that, think Washington would get go on to in the in the Pac twelve? You know what I'm saying? Washington's sitting there, ready to clean up I mean, if they, somebody else is in front of them. But yeah. are, do you really think they're not going to lose a game? The rest of the, that that's going to be a challenge. That yeah, is, is going to be a you know, challenge.
1: Yeah, Pac twelve's good. I mean, it's it's a yep. deep yeah. conference. You know, it really it's been is fun
0: watching year. them actually this year. It
1: has it has. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. We'll obviously keep an eye on this, you know, starting going forward as as we roll along.
2: Um, Florida State has beaten LSU. They won at Clemson. That doesn't look as impressive against a four and four Clemson team now. But LSU is their biggest win. But but again, nobody really has this long list of accomplished wins. They just don't. No, nobody really has that. It's 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 one of those. Now you know, I mean, I
1: Ohio State remember. could right. Ohio State beats Ohio State beats Michigan. Then all of a sudden they've got Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame. I mean, right now they have Notre Dame and Penn State. Uh, and even Notre Dame blowing out USC doesn't look as impressive now. It's still impressive. But anyway, everybody has blemishes. It's one of those things I keep hearing everybody say, guys. Everybody sucks. Everybody sucks. Ah. You got a couple See, really I- good teams at the top. A couple of really bad teams at the bottom See, and everybody else some... is just in the middle. Everybody sucks.
1: Right? I, I mean most most years it feels like there's five, maybe six teams in the conversation for yeah. you know for those four playoff spots. This year I feel like you could argue eight different teams, maybe nine different teams. So I'm excited to watch it play out down the stretch. I am. Particularly Wes, would you if you say
0: it's more even that way now. Cause usually I feel like there's always those kind of programs that blow everybody out, like you were saying. I don't know. Is is it yeah, getting like Georgia, more even? Georgia
1: Georgia was kind of a shoe in, you know, the last couple of years. But I don't think it would shock anybody if they you know they they're undefeated and they're great. But in, in, excuse me, their lofty standards, of course, that they've set for the last two years. They're twenty nine and one with two national champions, right or thirty you... thirty something and one with two national championships. But it doesn't feel like there's that inevitable, you know, force that's like the last two years. It kind of, Georgia kind of felt inevitable. I don't know if they feel they're that way this year.
2: Well, and, and you know, In Michigan and not anymore with everything schedule. going on with them. And this is the weakest schedule Georgia's had. I mean, shame on them if yeah. they don't go unblemished, right? Right. But, you know, right. When you look at the one lost teams, they're going to be part of the conversation. Here they are. There's not a lot. Oregon is seven to one. These teams are all seven one. Oregon, Texas, Bama. Penn State, Oklahoma, and then you're down to Ole Miss, which is quietly climbed to seven and one. So, and again, those teams are going to suffer more losses, most of those teams. But the truth of this is Is Missouri still seven and one? Missouri's still seven and one. They play Georgia this weekend. So, so is Louisville. But you see what I'm saying? I don't know. Just if those the strength two... of
0: schedule. Yeah. Why? Well, Damn don't it, don't Air Force is getting in, baby. Air Force dog. Yeah, <laughs> <No, come on. laughs> I'd go for it. I would go for it. They'd be in think. line,
1: they'd be in line for it if it was next year, right? Oh, you yeah. year too this early, boys. Sorry about it.
2: This is the portal. This is NIL. The biggest point we can make, this parody, even at the top. I mean, did you live, did you think you lived to see a day where Alabama has one of the worst offensive lines in the SEC? No. This is the era of the portal and the era of NIL. Yeah. You can't harvest all the talent anymore. You can get not a lot of it, get most for of it, sure. but they're still good.
0: I feel like not. when I see Nick's press conferences too, you can you can like kind of sense his frustration with. Oh, he's a little
1: cantankerous old boy. Dude,
0: he is a salty dog, which I understand. But I mean, I get it. I mean, you're used to being that guy, and now it's like you know, everybody... you know he
1: you know who's the worst with that big O is Dabo. I yeah. mean, Dabo, Dabo oh, yeah. just, he re, he refuses to embrace this new era of college he football, has, and he, yeah, he openly right. hates the portal, yeah. and we're not going to do that, and we're still going to recruit and develop kids, and, hey, good luck. Yeah. Haven't quite, haven't quite I mean, been the same it. that you were a few years ago.
2: Alabama has allowed the most sacks in the entire SEC at 35, and then if you're to go, keep talking, I'm going to look nationally. That's where crazy. That it's like Alabama's, Alabama. giving up, Alabama's, giving more,
1: Alabama's giving up more sacks than Vanderbilt?
2: Yes, they are 128th in (laughs) the country in sacks allowed.
1: You're you're lying. Quit lying.
2: Alabama is 128th in the country in sacks allowed. If you You look at me standing in the backfield, geez, why do you think they made such a hard Ah. push for uh, Zach Frazier in the offseason? Well, there you go. Uh, Here we go. I'll give you the numbers sacks allowed. Alabama, Vanderbilt has allowed 19, Alabama has allowed 35. Can you
0: imagine if Zach would went to Alabama? Can you imagine?
1: One, we'd be one, yeah. we'd be in a lot of trouble
2: right now.
0: Yeah.
1: Two, I wouldn't be able to go to the combine in Indianapolis in February until they're <laughs> Zach Frazier is. So. Georgia has
2: allowed six sacks. Ooh, it's quite a discrepancy. Anyway, I, you it's never thought you'd see that out of an Alabama offensive line. I mean,
0: what's do you made think? Eventually, uh, here's my thing. I still think you need to still develop some. Uh, it's got to be, what is it, sixty forty? NIL development, you know. I mean, you're gonna have to, still, goal. huh?
1: Maybe even. 7, I think 30, most maybe people say 70, something like that you know.
0: is the goal. You know what I mean? Yeah, seventy thirty whatever. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy.
1: Well, gentlemen, the goal of this past week, as we transition here, was to beat UCF, and mission accomplished. Forty-one to twenty-eight, the Mountaineers go down to Orlando and get her done on the road. Uh, a hell of a performance by Garrett Green. A hell of yeah. a opportunistic uh, afternoon for our defense and and four turnovers. Um, gentlemen, it it's funny, you know. I did that quick little 15 minute or so instant reaction episode on Saturday because I, you know, I'd had a couple cold ones and I was fired up and I just I couldn't wait. I couldn't, I can't wait a few days to talk about the win. I gotta do it now. Um I liked it. That was thank great. You. I appreciate I, that. Thank you. Yeah, hey, we'll have to pro- do that. Pro- more pro- often. that real fast. Yeah, it's 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 up on our on our our, our YouTube page and wherever you get your podcast. It's episode 109. The episode before this, it was just me, happy, couple beers, 15-16 minutes after the UCF win on Saturday. Um I actually had a rare Saturday where I was at home. Uh you know, wasn't traveling with the Steelers. I wasn't at the game because it wasn't in Morgantown. Uh my wife and my mom took the girls to like a trunk or treat Halloween costume thing, so I just had the basement and the TV and the Mountaineers and a couple cold ones. And as soon as it was over, I thought, you know what? I'm going to talk about this for a few minutes. Um, and I, I just, what I said in that was kind of, it felt like our day. And that's yeah. really that's really weird to say as a WVU fan because it never feels like our day, right? I mean, it just it never feels it always feels like something happens, a disaster strikes, or this happens, or a bad call here, or we shoot ourselves in the foot there, or the ball doesn't bounce our way because we know the ball's not round, right? It bounces all different crazy ways. Um, man, you just you found a way to get it done. You were pretty fortunate. I think, listen, all credit to the defense and being opportunistic, right? But I laid this out on that instant reaction. You also had two fumbles that you recovered. You know, they threw three interceptions, their quarterback, put it on the ground. We got it back. Garrett, put it on the ground or or their quarterback, put it on the ground. We got it. Garrett, put it on the ground. We got it back. Pac-Man Fox, put it on the ground in the red zone. We got it back. in what could have been a huge moment. So, Credit to the guys, credit to the offense. I mean, we ran for 286 yards and five touchdowns. We had four takeaways. Like, I don't want to downplay what they did, but there were just also some elements in there. For me, it felt like it was our day. And, and I'm like, I'm saying that as a positive because I think this team was owed that because they haven't had that yet this season. It went the opposite against Houston. It went the opposite against Oklahoma State. Um, So I was I was glad to see the full team performance and I was glad to see the boys. You know, maybe you still hold on to win if a couple of those bounces don't you know, maybe Garrett loses that ball and, and UCF recovers and you still end up winning maybe pac-man fox you don't get to jump on that ball i think it was thomas remack who, who who grabbed the fumble and you still end up winning but maybe it's not a comfortable you know two score win something like that um but credit to the guys they came to play they got a little you know a little good juju from the universe as well too and uh, i think that made for a fun fun afternoon down in orlando
0: yeah looked like a looked like a fun crowd too looked like a cool place to go uh, play a game it seemed like it was it was full at least at the beginning to yeah. halftime wasn't it, Jed yeah, it was a good, good crowd good amount good of good
1: amount of mountaineers there too it sounded oh, no.
0: like and looked like yeah, yeah I had a lot of people down there America. had a good time um yeah. man there was something that you said to me Jed uh I'm glad we finally have or I never thought we were going to have another good running backs coach uh you know and then, obviously, you, you kind of gave – can you can you I, I, describe what you mean when you say that? You mean with Jaheim? Yeah. Yeah, I said I didn't think we could
2: find a better running back coach than Chad Scott. But next thing you know, uh, Jaheim White's popping off a 32-yarder and, and watch CJ go uh, because it was almost like that room just needs to push each other. And you yeah. recognize
0: – yeah. Welcome he had back. a beautiful bounce read. well it wasn't even a it wasn't even a I don't even think it was maybe it was an inside zone play, yeah. but he bounced out to the outside and broke a real nice run. Um he's you know from what just all I can say is from what you say uh you know you know if he does get you know take it a little more serious or whatever he's doing at practice. I mean some guys are like that. Some guys yeah. like to just have fun on the practice field or wherever, where, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're not going to be that like always like hard, you know, I'm the hard nosed, serious guy or whatever, but um, I I'm a hundred percent with you. I mean, those guys just need to push each other and understand it's going to be a, it's going to be a running back by committee deal. Um, Everyone's kind of got their own little strengths. I don't think we have one guy who's the Swiss army knife for all, everything we do. Um but I think the guys that we do have do really well at what they're good at. Yeah, I think so, too. And it's nice to have CJ for a lot of
2: circumstances, but certainly in those short yardage circumstances. Oh, for sure. Um, and then it, it, it's fun to watch Jaheim. Man, When you, you talk about when you run that stretch play, Owen, whether you bounce it, you bend it, or you bang it. He has such electricity and explosiveness. Yeah. He's he quick. bounces that thing. He yeah. sees it and and they can't. But you know, it was an interesting, it was an interesting venue. Okay. It was our first trip to the bounce house. You know, previous trips playing in Orlando, we were always in the Citrus Bowl, whether it was for bowl games or against UCF. But it has very much a G five feel. But here's what's interesting about it. The bones are there for something really cool. And they're about to make a massive investment in that facility. And as you're approaching the field, it's kind of neat, guys. It's like there's a village with a bunch of shops that Tony and Dwight and I were were driving through, approaching the stadium. Uh, It's just a neat layout. And they have, unlike when you're sitting in Suncrest, nothing but flat ground to build on. So just take your down. You have all kind of flat surface. You can get creative but we talked about this in the pregame because we were talking to their play-by-play guy and he was walking us through this. A, a lot of these places have some sort of sugar daddy. Well, the sugar daddy in Orlando is Disney. Okay? The tourist dollars in Orlando, there's there's a tourist tax. And that yeah, tourist they put that that extra $1 if they want to build something. Well, it's like 1.5 billion dollars a year are generated. Oh my god. Or sorry, day. one
0: penny. That's what I was Here
2: from the Myrtle Beach group, yeah, and that adds up to that. So for the first time in quite some time, UCF has positioned themselves to be the beneficiary of some of that money. So what they're about to do in that in that uh, facility, again, the facility far and away doesn't blow you away at all. It has you know steel bleachers, it it has a G five look, but it's just where it sits, what's surrounding it. They're going to invest 90-some-odd million dollars in the next three to five years wow. to upgrade that facility. Like the press box, I don't know if I told you or not, Wes. It was it was more of a cockpit. It really was. It was too deep. It was a brew, so brew I sat behind Tony and Dwight like a pharmacist up top looking down. <laughs> yeah, And it, it, there just wasn't much room. It was G5 in a lot of ways, but the bones are there. And you could yeah. see they're sitting on something really cool once they yeah. take some of this big 12 money from this 40 plus million dollar tv deal right so once they can do some of that once they work their way up to a full payout it's already going to be far more than what they've been getting but that combined with this resource of tapping into some of those tourist dollars that tourist tax i just think they could be sitting on that that's a diamond in the rough in my opinion it's a neat it's a neat place to build something like that now right now not at all Uh, again it could really really stand to improve in a hundred different ways but the infrastructure is there and I want to see it in five years and you're surrounded by such recruiting fertile or fertile recruiting ground. Yeah. but Yeah. A lot of things to consider when we went in there, we saw what they played like against Oklahoma. We figured we were going to take their best shot. It was a homecoming crowd. Uh, tickets were a lot more than people thought they'd be based on what people tell me off the StubHub secondary market. And it kind of played out like that. It wasn't entirely a sellout, but it was a good crowd. But I'll say this, you mentioned the Mountaineer fans. I had people on the elevator even commenting that, you know, they weren't commenting to me, they were commenting to each other. We've never seen a visiting team travel like this. Yeah. Well, part of it's traveling, but part of it's we come out of the woodwork because West Virginians are everywhere, right? But, yeah, we turned out and turned out in great numbers. So, uh, yeah, the, the the fans made a difference for us, but I think it did all start with the run game. Uh, it was fun to get Tomas back, even though it was short-lived, to have that whole unit in its entirety. Uh, until we lost Doug. I mean, they, those five guys just haven't played together much this year. That's the yeah. nature of the beast when you play with that physical style of football. So, you know, Nick Malone had to pop back in and do some things for us, but we did – Tomas started off – I don't know if you guys could see this or we're paying attention to this, this level of detail, but he wasn't playing every snap in the first half. And what was happening is where they were being very measured with his snaps. He was rotating in and out because he was coming back from that injury, right? Well, once uh, Nick went out, he was more regularly inserted in there, and we kind of got started leaning, especially with White at left tackle, leaning on them on that left side a little bit. And uh, they had it was interesting the, the the construction of that defense, that Central Florida UCF defense. They had three, I thought, really good edge rushers, not just two but three, really explosive, talented, long edge rushers. They had solid corners. Matter of fact, I think they had two exceptional corners, but uh, when you mix in the nickelback, they play four corners quite a bit. So they stay fresh. So they were very athletic and strong on the outside of that defense. Uh, but we, we thought there were some opportunities there on the interior. And we had some, obviously, some success running the football. We tried to take some shots and make more out of the pass game. I think that's why we tried to start the game with that. I even asked Garrett about it in the post game. It's the first time we started a game, first snap of the game, with a shot play to EJ. And that's something I been, I mean, we got the coverage we saw. I mean, Garrett, Garrett put that on himself. Uh, But, you know, we're now in position to be able to do those types of things. I mean, one of the things we'll talk about as the week progresses in later shows guys, Garrett now is tied for the big 12 lead in completions of 20 plus yard pass attempts. So that's a dimension to this offense that that's
0: been lacking. Okay. So question Jed real quick. Yes, sir. Is, in my opinion, is Chad getting a little more say in play calls? I don't know if it's play calls as much as it is the configuration of the game plan. I know. Okay. Because I'm just, I, like now. I'm seeing, it just seems a little bit, I don't know, more everybody. Yeah. Uh, you, you know what I mean? This Everybody's kind of getting some love. The, the biggest difference
2: that I see, Owen, it's kind of what we said coming out of the Houston game with what Garrett did. That Houston game is, is, to some extent, when you talk to the staff leading up to the pick game, what were you expecting out of Garrett in the pick game from a game-planning standpoint? That was when we were going to unveil the offense as we want it to be. Yeah. Garrett making true reads, Garrett doing zone read, Garrett doing RPO, using all three of the backs, pushing the football vertical. But Garrett gets knocked out of the game, you know, handful of snaps in, different animal. So it didn't come until later, but I think it's a function more so than anything of you're seeing now they kind of took the training wheels off Garrett's at full speed. And they're saying, Hey, we're going to let you actually run the entire offense. Yeah. That's going to be deep balls. That's going to be you making critical reads and RPOs and in zone reads. You're now a critical part of the run game and true keep it type reads. So I I think in the last three weeks, more and more, that's what you've seen. It probably, to a much larger extent, even against UCF than against Oklahoma State or Houston,
0: he's a hell of a football. competitor, and he is tough as nails. Dude, I dude, love watching him play, man. He has got the
2: hell knocked out of him. He I was, know,
0: but he is tough as hell, man. And, and and a lot of it, he'll admit, that's on me. You know, yeah. it's not like Neil's not
2: trying to protect him with the call. Yeah, oh yeah. sometimes he is, but Garrett's just trying to make stuff happen, man. He thinks he's bulletproof. Like that yeah. last shot that he took late in the fourth quarter, cool. dude. Give the football
0: buddy jed you've put a helmet on before it it does something to you okay yeah it does i mean i think i texted you guys a picture when he was under the quarterback tent
2: he was sitting there and he's trying to talk to sean on the on the on the phone and meanwhile the trainers are coming up to him because he's bleeding from like six different places his knee his hip his elbow his arm. (laughs) i mean he just plays a physical brand of football you know he needs to be careful and protect himself that's my biggest concern he needs to be smart and judicious with the shots that he takes yeah. to protect himself. But when when you talk about on the defensive side of the football, the difference that the turnovers can make. First of all, it's the first time we've had four turnovers or four takeaways since Neil got here. Uh, how much of a difference can that make? Well, they converted, UCF converted 75% on third down. Uh, now, when's the last time we won a game? allowing the opposition to confer 75% on third down. Oh, I got an idea. I got
1: an idea. Yes. I got a guess. The first Big 12 conference game, the 70-63 to Geno, eight touchdowns against Baylor, 2012.
2: No, uh, but I'll tell you real quick what that was. Uh, that was a good guess, though, right? It was a pretty good guess I, off the uh,
1: top of my head. Not bad. Well, I'll tell,
2: you, I'll tell you what that was. It was they were 69% nice. Baylor was in that game. They were 11 of 16. We, th- this database that I have at it goes back to 2009. Not only can I not find a game we won allowing 75% conversion rate on third down, I can't find a game at all in which we allowed 75% on third down. Now, if you're going to do that, what do you have to do to offset it? Force turnovers. Yeah. That's what you got to do. And a compelling case can be made that all four of those turnovers were the direct results of our defensive efforts, not UCF giving us the football. I mean there's a
0: narrative behind each one of those four. The one the one uh the first the first interception. interception was like that was a hustle play though. Yeah. Benny yeah. had to stay with it. Yeah. Yeah it was Beanie a had Beanie to
1: stay with it. with it. But I mean also did you guys hear the announcer on that one?
0: Yes.
2: Yes,
1: I think he said that funky, but it sounded like he said the other F word. What <laughs> <That went> a <laughs> interception.
2: So here's the impact that had. To me, the most critical stat coming out of that game and what most directly led to that score uh, was average starting field position. This is a pretty strong indicator oftentimes in terms of your, your, your chance of winning a football game. If you start at a better spot on average than the opposition uh, that, that, that serves you very well. And usually it can be a difference of a handful of yards or five or six yards guys in that game. Our average starting field position was West Virginia's average was our own 41 yard line. Wow. UCF's average was their own 23 yard line. Okay. Now you that's want to talk huge. About, that's huge. massive. That's now, huge, man. How did that happen? How did that happen? I mean, they had almost 500 yards. They had 75% on third down. Isn't that impacting field position after you after you give the football up and do this and do that? Well, here's how that happened. We had 11 possessions in the game. Four of those possessions were acquired by turnover. On okay. those four possessions acquired by turnover, guess what our starting field position was? About this the is 40 About the 40-yard line. Our own 46. Yep. That is how you win starting field position. Beanie so Beanie Beanie averaged
1: Beanie's two interceptions. He had what fifty one return yards on those two. So 25 and a half yes. yards each intercept. I mean, he's stealing two and a half first downs for the offense yeah. going the other way each time. That's massive. I heard you
2: say that, Wes, on the on, yeah. yeah, instant reaction. First two things. Uh, you, you entertained me on the way home from the airport, you and Pat Narduzzi's post-game press conference. Uh, because I listened to both on the way for home. For two from completely
1: the different reasons. Yes,
2: yes. But I'm glad you said that. I put something on Twitter. As I was watching game tape uh, yesterday, I noticed something. When Beanie picked that football off, the deflected F-bomb interception down, down by the end zone. Okay. The
1: funky interception.
2: I couldn't help but notice <laughs> how quickly the defense assembled to build the convoy and up the sidelines for him. Oh, man. Teams that are Bartlett. good at that, man. You had Jared Bartlett, Anthony Wilson, Lee Coba. I mean, it was like a punt return unit. It was incredible. I mean, how quickly that shows you how well-drilled and how well-coached that circumstance. They've gone through it in practice so many times. That's reactions. Boom. That's exactly right. I mean, it was a thing of beauty. Going to my Twitter feed and you'll see, I circled the three guys setting up that wall. And that's an extra, like you talked about, Wes, 15, 20 yards right there. That's the hidden yardage that helps you win football games. When you're starting at the at your own 41-yard line on average, you don't do that in a football game without defenders rallying to set up a convoy on on returns like that. So all these little things add together. But, guys, I, I was just impressed. Even with let, – let's talk about the strip sack fumble. Jalen Thornton recovered it, yes. But what was more impressive when you break down the video – Jalen Thornton engaging that guard in that center to allow Lee to be a free runner to hit yeah. quarterback the way that he did. So Jalen Thornton, first of all, he was a troublemaker up front, occupied both those uh, big daddies. And uh, and then here comes Lee, boom, and he now Jalen becomes the beneficiary of the fumble. So again, when you start getting those turnovers in bunches like that, and sometimes that's what it, 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 it's contagious, right? Sometimes that's how these things play out unfold. Let's just keep playing that card. But uh, it, it just makes such an instrumental difference in so many different ways. Like, I remember thinking, even at some point in the third quarter, we really haven't stopped them outside of these critical plays we're making on these turnovers. I said, well, that's so, that's fine so long as you continue to do that. And we still did a couple more times. And that turned out to be the difference in the game. But also, from a special team standpoint, We're just, with Michael Hayes, we're just taking this kid for granted. I mean, we really are. I mean, it's so easy to not stop and consider. I mean, we were spoiled with Casey Lake, right? And now here comes Michael Hayes stepping right in to assume the duties that Casey Lake held down last year. He's Michael Hayes is 9 for 10 on field goals, and he hasn't missed under 50. The only miss that he had, you probably remember it. It was 50-plus at TCU in which he made it, And then there was a penalty and made him do it again, and then he missed it. So he has been absolutely reliable. Ollie Straw is dropping dimes. Here's a fascinating and fun one we'll talk about, again, as the week goes on. Ollie Straw is one of two Power 5 punters. You talk about accuracy and dropping dimes and being a sniper. He's one of two punters in all of Power 5, the other kid, one being the kid from Ohio State, to pin five punts inside the 10 this year and have no touchbacks. None. Yep. So it's amazing that he's doing he's not just throwing mutter to wall enough mutter to wall and hope some sticks with these ones inside the 20 inside the 10. No, he's accurate. So all these things come together and it truly was a three-phase win. I mean, guys, it really was. And you talked about it, Wes. Even making the most of our, our bad situations, if Tomas doesn't hustle and get on that football, that's an ugly situation. We we mentioned this last week. It's not as though we came out 41 to 28 and now, wow, we're the most disciplined team in America. No, I'm telling you, if we'd have found a way to lose that game, there's half a dozen things we'd be talking about, about how boneheaded oh, we the are. holding on the Jaheem white yes. touchdown, but because we won now we're resilient and we're good enough to overcome those boneheaded things. You see what I mean? So just make sure that you're the most disciplined and least boneheaded team on the field. And that's what yeah. we were. That's what we were. Yeah. We made mistakes. We made timely mistakes, but not as many mistakes, or certainly not as many timely mistakes as UCF made. So it's hard to win. It's even harder to win on the road, irrespective of who you're playing. That was a team, guys, that led the Big 12 in total offense going into the game, led the Big 12 in explosive plays going into the game. They have athletes across the board. They just haven't found a way to get it done for the balance of 60 minutes in one of these league games. They've been troublemakers. Against K-State, they scared them. Against Oklahoma, they scared them. They've been troublemakers at certain times, uh, obviously against us. This was a ball game until we separated the fourth quarter, but just not for the balance of 60 minutes. So great team road win uh, to go down there and take care of business as, as seven-point underdogs the way we did.
1: Gotta love it. Got that dog back in us. Before we uh, go to break and get to our buddy Big Daddy here, listen, I know, Jed, you're old school, even though, you know, you were a little bit of, a, of an air raid guy there at Glenville State. I know you're old school. Right Owen of, run and shoot. That's right. Pardon me. Part of me. Uh, same church, different pew a little bit. Okay. Uh, um, and Big O, of course, obviously, fullback, the last of a dying breed, one of the last iconic fullbacks, if I do say so myself. This will tickle and warm all of our run the dang ball hearts okay 286 yards on the ground on 50 attempts that's an average of 5.7 yards per carry and we possess the ball for over 36 minutes you do that and you're plus three in the turnover margin you're not going to lose very many football games in fact you're going to win most you're going to win most of them by double digits like you did on saturday
2: Fourth in the country in time of possession now. In other words, here's what's amazing, Wes the style of football that we're playing. Central Florida had the ball for 13 or so fewer minutes than we did and ran more plays. Correct. And ran more plays. We're methodical. That's that's true. We're methodical. We're out there to protect our defense. That's what we're helping. When, When we run the football and do what we did, uh, 286 yards rushing, the most by West Virginia against an FBS team in six years. So these are the types of things. When we saw the depth of this running back room and we recognized what Garrett can do at his best as a key and instrumental part in the run game, making you play 11-on-11 11 11 football defensively toward the end of last year, we saw spurts of it. This is what we envision. Now, just sprinkle in, maybe he hits EJ the next time on that shot play. That's coming. Which another downside, Devin? Come on, come on, Devin. What are you doing? I oh know. man, he had, some, some, uh, he
0: had a case of the drop skis at yeah, times. Yeah, he did.
2: Just getting those eyes up field, trying to make something happen yep. to secure the catch, and you know, let's knock on wood that hasn't been an issue for us, and in previous seasons it sometimes was. We're we're dropping them on the other side now, which is just fine because we get PBUs That's instead of picks. But I'll take the PBUs. Uh, you talk about PBUs. Uh, one of the things we were discussing. On the trip home, was uh, even going into the game, Beanie was already among the national leaders in all those critical categories. He now leads the nation in PBUs and passes defended. It's just amazing what he's doing. When you look at how far we've already exceeded last year's totals and picks, pass breakups, passes defended, we're playing the football in flight. And as a result, this is something we'll get into when we preview BYU, but as a result, a lot more incompletions, which set yeah. the table for more manageable situations defensively on third down.
1: Absolutely. That's well said. All right, let's get to a break here. Our buddy, Big Daddy's been waiting in the, uh, waiting in the lobby. You know, we he's been waiting outside of the studio, peeking in, peeking in the, the window to see when we go to break here so he can slide on in. We'll get to Big Daddy on the other side and uh, continue to recap this big win down in Orlando over the Knights. You are in the gun. Nobody supports the
3: blue and gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student-athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guarantee to, 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 to save you thousands. thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less, in Grafton and at ToothmanFord.com.
1: For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter
0: at in the Gun Podcast.
1: For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement, With long term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations. With more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed.
0: Let's go, Mountaineer fans. You're tuned in to In the Gun with Wes, the runaway beer truck, and the signal caller. Back in the gun
1: here. You know what time it is. It is our, uh, our day one, our good friend of the show, Mr. Sean Big Daddy Mariner, here to join us uh, and cap off this UCF recap. A much-needed win for the guys, Sean. And uh, I tell you what. I always enjoy. Do, I mean, I enjoy doing this with you every week, but particularly when it's coming off of a road game, yes. because you know, at home you're up, you're up, you're up pulling the strings and, and this and that, and with the videos and the music and all the you and Chris O and all the different responsibilities that you have. But on the road, I see you on television three dozen times. Oh, In gosh. fact, I find yes. myself losing my train of thought while I'm watching a play because I go, "Oh, there's Sean." Oh, there's Sean. Someone, CJ's celebrating on the sideline. Oh, there's Sean. You yeah. know, Neil, they're showing Neil. Oh, there's Sean walking behind on the sideline. Um, so how was it down there in uh, in Orlando? Nice weather for for late October, I would imagine. Hot.
3: Now listen, when the clouds were out, when it got a little cloudy, it was perfect. There was a light breeze. It was wonderful. That sun came out and your fat buddy was baking. Thank God. <laughs> so one of the cheerleaders who let me borrow her uh, wipe on sunscreen for my forehead and my cheeks, like I was baking at everybody i did not pack it because i'm a moron
2: i had somebody but, I, you should have said some.
3: oh i was toast dude i was so mad
2: horn some yeah
3: yeah what was, the te- was the what was the temperature
1: what was the temperature kick was it pushing Eight, 80s
3: 87
2: 86 was like the high that day so holy well, like like God. he said guys when the clouds were out it didn't oh, feel it, was, it, was, it was hotter in houston yeah, yeah. clouds well, were out in orlando
1: i mean that was yeah. also like three four weeks ago yeah. too though right yeah yeah and that was night
3: what what i so I obviously love when we score. It's amazing. I, I, I go, I love getting reactions from the guys on the sidelines, but then I can feel my phone <laughs> up and I know that I've looked like a moron um, at some point. So yeah, it's, it's not great.
1: That's why I never text you. Morgan is always like, did you text Sean and tell him you saw him on TV? I'm like, babe, 700 people just saw Sean on TV that are texting him right and now. It's just, <laughs>
3: right? And it, it, here's the thing. It, it'd be one thing if it's like, I'm filming Garrett. And then we both turn to the up camera. We're like, yeah, this is great. No, it's always like a side profile. You can see my man jugs, my belly's hanging out. Hold I just look like an idiot. because Holdin I Holding the camera over, all serious. I look over the my glasses like I'm a 73-year-old divorcee trying to figure out how to work this camera for my kids. Like, it's brutal. It's brutal. It's never me looking good on camera on the sidelines.
2: Big Daddy, let me ask you something. I, I, I had the headsets on and even like I had half an ear out. When you were talking to Garrett, and I ended up with you and Garrett, well, yeah. what were you guys talking about when you said, oh, you quarterbacks, you do that, when you told so, me? So, I, you know, I I try to shoot the play, get
3: the touchdown if I can, but Ross and Andrew, are our video guys, normally do a great job. And then I just get to where they're going to come off and follow them and just go and follow, 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 joy, 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 everything. And at some point. I've filmed for two minutes straight. Like, I've got all we're going to do, but I'll just roll just in case. Yeah. And Garrett is going up, and just random people on the sideline, he's, like, hugging and saying hi to and, like, getting congratulations from. And I stopped recording. I was like, you know what's great? I'm on every trip with you, and I don't even get, like, a smile, a thumbs up, or anything. And so then he starts giving me hell back, and then here comes Jed over. And <laughs> that's my number one. I'm like, great. So now I'm going to get crushed even more. Oh, you guys are that quarterback quarterbacks together. Though. Okay, you quarterback buddy. stick together. Okay, I, got I get you. it. I look like an offensive lineman. I didn't play quarterback. <laughs> Wonderful. I was Wonderful I was coming at the tail end of it. I didn't hear all that. I was like, yeah. what did that? mean?
2: I was like, all right. You guys can
3: you. talk breakdowns okay. and stuff, and I'm just. I got you. I got
1: you, Sean. Yeah. You know, let's stay there for a second. Um, anybody that puts on the old gold and blue, we like, right? We cheer for. We root for those guys. We want to see them well, do well. You know, both in their personal lives and professional lives and what Absolutely. they do in the, you know, in the arena of athletics, whether it's on the grass or the court or, or the pitch or whatever it might be. Um, but every once in a while, well, not every once in a while, you know, fairly often, it's part of yeah. one of the joys, honestly, of college athletics. If I'm going to really dig deep here. You get guys, you get kids, man, that are just so easy to root for that. You just fall in love with them real quick. Again, we like all these guys. We love all these guys. We want to see them succeed. We root for all of them, but man, number six is just one of those guys that is just so easy to be a fan of. So easy to root for. I feel like we talk about it so
3: much on here too. You know, after the Houston thing, him and Zach go to the hospital, then, you know, and that's not just for show. That's who they are. Thursday night, Track or treat here in Morgantown. I take the little guy. He's excited to show off. You said what? A, what? Track or treat? Track or tr- track or treat at the not WVU trunk track or treat. Here. Track or treat. They they had all the WVU student organizations at the track, and then the uh, the athletes come to The women's basketball they sponsored the event, so they were signing autographs, nice. to play basketball, all that stuff. Big guys running around. He met a bunch of friends from daycare and everything. It's it's it slammed. It's a huge event. There are so many people there. We go up, he goes and sees the basketball players, and as we're standing there, there's a few of the football players there. Grayson Malashevitz there, Sonny Redwood's there, Tor Simmons, a couple of the other guys, and there's Gigi. Just standing there in an average Joe's dodgeball outfit, handed out candy, signing autographs, and taking a picture with thousands of kids. Like, it's Thursday before we leave the next day to go to Orlando he doesn't need to be there. He should be at home resting, kicking his feet up, get, and he's out there handing out candy. Nobody that walked by, he didn't stop, grab, talk to, high-five. Like, and, I mean, all the guys that's were awesome. doing that. That's all awesome. the guys. But, I mean, that's your that's your QB1. Just yeah. out yeah, there it is, doing it and not and, complaining, like
2: loving it. In the post-game press conference, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but he walks in holding a football, and so he's asked – who is the football for? Is that the game ball? What's going on with that? I want it made me think of the sign your grandma made for you. <laughs> yeah. That you, had, that you had hanging in last year's episode and it fell down. Yep. Big daddy t- tell him what he said about his grandma. So somebody asked him about the ball and everything and he
3: said, "Well, my grandma didn't let my dad play football uh and hasn't been able to come see any of my games and so since I'm home in Florida, I'm keeping this ball and I'm giving it to grandma and you can tell the whole room. It's just like, "Oh my god,
2: you can teach her in Miami." Uh huh. Of day off forever and and years. For Friday off, yeah. Mm-hmm. As for Friday off, the drive up, watches her grandson score three touchdowns, and Grandma nice. gets the game ball. I was like, that's just that's just
0: awesome.
1: Yeah. That is a Disney story right there, gentlemen. Yeah. Right?
0: Uh, no, it was awesome. It was cool hearing him that in a press conference, man. And you know he had some extra sauce going in that game, knowing his granny was going to be there. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely did.
1: That's awesome. Well, you know what we should have done is we should have got granny to Toothman Ford before she made the drive because we all know cars cost less in Grafton. Maybe that's the next move for JR and company. Let's get let's get grandma green in a uh, in a in a vehicle from Toothman Ford. Um, but oh, one more thing I knew I wanted to ask you, Sean, the crowd. Uh, yeah. Jed's, Jed spoke about this a little and I know it's tough for both of you guys like. You guys are there working. You got a job to do. I relate to that, right? It's it's different than just being there and wow, look at all the old gold and blue in the stands, but from the pictures I saw from the video that I saw, it looked like there were a lot of I mean one whole corner of the stadium, I mean a couple sections looked like yeah. it was all people in gold and blue. And I mean that that makes sense, right? Because I mean we got a large contingent of fans in Florida and down south and people who retire and you know move to better weather and those people don't ever have the mountaineers come that, that's what it looked like to me yes. a large a large group of West Virginians who live in an area, Florida where they don't ever get to see their team play and haven't for you know since since Miami was in the Big East uh, or I should say US, the USF days to be fair in, in Tampa. Yeah. Um, but that it, it looked like there was a response there of hey man, this is the first time we've been able to drive and see our mountaineers play a couple hours away in in a decade.
3: No question. So uh, one of the things I always do try to do since since I, I run stuff at home games, you know, music and video, all that, when I go to a place like this, I do want to, I try to pay attention to stuff they do on the video board, music they play, how do the fans react to that. So I do take a couple moments and soak it in. And it was their homecoming. So the ducks were out. They did a lot of duck interaction with the fans. And it, there was a pretty good crowd there. What's, and if you answer? were just to look... I don't know what's with the ducks for the record. Okay. I was,
1: I was just, I, I kept saying, it, I saw the deflated duck graphic. It's a thing they, do. I, 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 a thing they do
3: for the homecoming. Like that's a specific mm-hmm. homecoming thing for them. I don't know the story behind it. I just know that. Uh, but so, you know, I, I would look and the place is packed and some of the, their fans are wearing gold too. So it was hard for me to parse out, but I would turn around and look and I was, I got a couple messages of like me walking and lumbering on the field from people I haven't seen in years that are down in Florida and then as the game started to go, you could see the UCF fans whittling away, and there were still a ton of fans still there, and they were all wearing old gold and blue, and it was it was packed. It was you crazy. That's, that's one of the best road showings I've seen in quite a while.
2: Big Daddy, did you see Shaq? See, I I, I didn't – there was a point in the first quarter where some, he was on camera.
3: Yeah. Big Diesel was sure there, all. huh?
2: Shaq Diesel, That's he DJed he pregame, Owen. He did DJ pregame. And I was thinking, yeah. should I go track him down and get a picture? I'm like, the diesel. Like to, but I'm busy. So I just, I would have been him.
3: jealous. But did you I, see him? I didn't get to get close to him. So Ross, our video guy, went to uh, his, his. they had a big DJ setup. Um, they had a guy earlier doing stuff. And then Shaq got there like 10.30, I think, and DJed a little bit. But then they had him in the UCF corner end zone, and I had been there earlier just doing a lap around, so I knew where he was and I could see him, but I didn't get close enough because they did a couple of promotions with him and everything. But, yeah, DJ Shaq Diesel in the house.
1: Hi, it's the Diesel, Shaquille O'Neal, here to tell you that the Mountaineers just ran for 286. I don't know why I morphed Shaq and Stone Cold there. You You went went hard hard Stone Cold. (laughs) sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's Shaquille O'Neal. You don't let the West Virginia run for two hundred and eighty-six yards on you. You big dummy. That's how you lose a game. I apologize. I'm not familiar with your game. I'm not not need to work your game. On That West. Uh, yeah, yeah I know. It I'll it. Right I know it's that not. It's a, tough scene. It's a tough scene. It's not my best impression. I'm sorry. I, like, can we? You know what, Skylar? Can we strike that one for the record? I'm just. No, hey, I'm just kidding. You're, not you're, wear
2: it. Unless wear it. you're
0: a, you're a terrible away from Barkley right there. Yeah, that was Come close. Come on. He's busted the terrible.
1: Come on, Gus Malzahn. That was terrible. How are you gonna let him run for five touchdowns? uh the UCF duck tradition okay gentlemen um homecoming week as started in 1997 to get the students fired up to have some things to celebrate during homecoming week one of the festivities was they would put a couple uh yellow rubber duckies they've got that big pond uh uh, I don't ponds not the right word. big fountain on campus that's the word I'm looking for and they would put a few rubber duckies in the fountain and all the students would go rushing in and like it was a big deal if you were one of the people who found it's almost like an Easter egg hunt, but with rubber nice. ducks in the fountain, if that makes sense. So it started in 1997 um, and it's become a big deal. There's an interview here with their student newspaper with some uh, alumni who has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 different ducks from over the years. So this person okay. is pretty serious and goes back every year and has a strategy. Clearly, that works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they're all they're all dressed up differently. These these little yellow rubber ducks that they you know they they dress up differently and throw in the fountain. I guess every single year and it becomes a mad rush to run you know down what,
2: there. You know what surprised me, Big Daddy? So many, and I understand their school colors, but in that kind of heat, yeah. Did you notice how many of their fans had black shirts on? Yes, black polo. Wow,
3: you really have the wrong shirt. I I felt really bad. They're for used Nintendo. to that though. Their mascot, Nitro, in full night regalia. Like, I don't, even though it's a foam suit, it's still a human. And I was like, oh, God.
1: They live in Florida.
2: They're not Don't pasty. Care. They're Don't not care.
1: pasty Northeast boys
2: like we Don't are. Care. Eighty-six degrees to... is nothing. Nobody gets close to, to your legs sticking together with sweat. I yeah, get... I'm sure eighty-six degrees 80 is nothing. In there I I could have shaken my. It's like arm. us when
1: it's when it's forty degrees outside here. You go outside in shorts. It's it ain't nothing. But yeah. if you bring somebody from Florida up here, they'll be like, "Oh my God, how are you doing you that?"
3: Bring me a pot of your boiling pasta water. I could have shaken my arm and salted it for you. All the sun just sucked the salt out of my body post game it was insane a, I, was, what's up? I felt bad neil is at the podium i'm recording and i turned around to like edit something and chick-fil-a was our post game meal and i'm like shoving chicken in my mouth while neil's talking and i'm supposed to be working like i if i don't i'm going to go down and no one in this room is going to be able to get me up
2: <laughs> well what's funny is is uh, after the game was over i'm asking the two mics how do i get them to the press room for the for the post game press conference and of course, I'm coming from the locker room, mm-hmm. right? So they kept pointing, "Go that way, go that way, go that way," and I kept going. I'm like, "There's only two doors here, and one of them goes nowhere, and the other one goes into the coach's locker room." Mm-hmm. So I had to go through the coach's changing post game. Yep. And then finally, I found a door in the back, which I could barely get to, and, and boom, up, boom, right into the room. I was okay, like, "Right there." Okay, that wasn't the main entrance, but
3: no, but we it. were there.
2: All these places that we've never been before that's the kind of little things we got to learn, right? That's why <laughs> I get there.
3: We yeah. we left the hotel at 6.30 in the morning and your fat buddy was just roaming around the stadium at 7 a.m. trying to find the lay of the land so that I didn't get lost and smoked out post-game. <laughs> you know, you, Wes, you said it earlier. It's funny when we we do these now, this, this has ruined me. A, because there are people on staff with the team that I did not know listened and who will be like, oh. like we were, we get back to the airport and they're like, Hey, can't wait to hear you guys Monday. I'm like, Oh no, you got this. You listen. I'm sorry. Um, but then also like, as it things spreads. happen, I clock them in my head. Now I'm like, well, there's a story for everybody to go to it Jed. Spreads. I don't know if you noticed, I said something to coach Mike Joseph afterwards. I, he was into the game in a way that I haven't seen him in a while. Like, uh-huh. Cole Taylor caught a pass and tried to like jump, stop, and keep going. And Mike Joseph's over there like doing moves on the sideline. I'm like, <laughs> I haven't seen that in a while. And I said it to him post game, and he just smiled and goes, "There's milk or uh, there's smoothies over there. Get one." And I was like, "Oh, that sounds good." And he goes, "That wasn't a recommendation. Like, yep. Yeah, yes, sir.
2: I'm sorry. I did a joke about <laughs> now- you, so now I will follow whatever you say immediately." Well, uh-huh. I have guys on the sideline like the other day, Big Daddy. Somebody was asking me. In the second half is we get cranking. Hey, did you pick us for rushing offense this week? And I was like, first of all, you watched that? Yep. Like, second of all, I suck at it, so I don't like that you watch.
0: It. <laughs> so I, was
2: hoping, I was hoping you didn't see that. And you should know that Owen's picking the rushing offense. I'm not.
0: Yeah, and then you were like, yeah, Dum Dum didn't pick us. <laughs> yeah, Dum
3: Dum Owen didn't pick us. <laughs> I, I can't say it enough. I I have been a fan all my life. I've been around it all my life. I've picked up some stuff. I'm never going to know one quarter of what Jed knows. But it's fourth down late in the game. We're still driving. And I just go over to Jed and I just do the tap here so we can pull it off. And I go, what do you do here? And then everything he said, I would just try to go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause he immediately goes like, well, you could no, run totally. this boundary, yeah, totally. and this, and this, but you got to watch out because the backer is going to scrape. I'm like, yeah, backer's, de- he's going to scrape. He's definitely going to scrape. Like I, you took it, you said it, and I thought it. So yeah. Or the two plays they ran after we talked. But we, we were two for two. I, I do have to That's give right. you credit. Yes.
1: Well it's good to know that it's good to know that Jed's better with his in-game predictions than he is with his signal caller of <laughs> yes. the week. Yes.
3: Situational awareness, Jed's still high. Looking ahead, no thank you. Uh, <laughs> no thank you. Forget it. I gotta be in the moment. <laughs>
0: Oh, oh man! Okay, this, has been, there, <laughs> this has been fun. Fireworks there, dog. I'm
1: sorry, Jed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If it makes you feel better, I filled in for Jed on Phil still Friday last week, and I laid an absolute goose egg. So in my predictions there, so Jed can get Jed will get his shots back at me when when him and Skyler record with Phil later in the week. I'm setting myself up. I'm getting my. I'm laughing now, but Jed's gonna laugh last, which is always which <laughs> yeah. is always way more dangerous. That's
2: that last one you just did with the thumbs. That like Owen said, the fireworks there. That almost yeah. looks like the, the Thomas Volunteer Fire Department's fireworks on the 4th of July. I mean, that that went for a while, didn't it, Owen?
0: <laughs> yeah, it did.
1: <laughs> uh, no, when you're, just, when you're just dropping hits here on the program, uh, the fireworks just keep coming. Okay, this has been a lot of fun. We got to wrap this up. We got to get Sean out of here. But, Sean, obviously, we'll have our BYU uh, mm-hmm. preview here later in the week in a couple of days. So, I'll give my impassioned plea to get a rowdy crowd. I'll give my um, – you know, dissertation on why we should all want blood from Keaton Slovis on Mountaineer Field Saturday night. But since this is the last we'll talk to you this week, I want you to I want you to look into that camera, all right, and I want you to tell everybody why they got to get their butts to Mountaineer Field on Saturday night.
3: Everybody in the building still remembers and or has the Keaton Slovis speech from last year saved. That's it. That's all you got to know. He might have changed teams. It might not have to do anything with that team from last year. It still
2: exists. He still said it.
3: He still has to come here.
2: And Big Daddy, it's a good thing we have a villain. Yes. Because if there's two ends of the spectrum in terms of how easy someone is to dislike, one end of the spectrum is Pat Narduzzi.
3: <laughs> Which could be By easier. The, way,
2: the other end of the spectrum, I really don't think I can I can dislike Kalani Satake. I just yeah. I just don't. I don't. I mean, He's did too to do. Did you see what he said today? Yeah, I
3: did. the, the angel on this all.
2: earth about country roads. Like,
3: yeah. sir, yeah, I, I understand, understand you might not know, but I love that you love the song. I love it.
1: Yeah, yeah. we sing it after wins, though, so you should hope yeah. you don't hear it. Yeah, but thanks for thanks for dude. thanks for speaking it into existence. He is. He is. He is.
3: I, I tell you what, too, though, I am very excited to see the uh, the Chuck Howley. Um, uh, yes. I got to be a part of the Cowboys, um, did a huge documentary on him and they brought down, um, Doug Huff, a writer from up my parts and we, uh, they brought him down to Morgantown and me and my two coworkers, one of my bosses got the pleasure of shooting it for the Cowboys through zoom and like hearing those stories and hearing, like I knew of him obviously, but that was my dad's generation. And so hearing the stories from Doug who got to cover him and everything was just like, dude, this is incredible. And, and getting to see that Saturday is going to be really, really awesome, too. And, I mean, come on. Night game in Morgantown, 7 p.m. kickoff. Let's get weird.
2: Doug Huff's a legend in his own right. I mean, oh, big like time. Himself, you know?
1: Yeah. 7 o'clock. Let's get weird.
0: Let's get weird.
1: In the peach lot. We'll, we'll talk more about that. On, we, got the BYU, we got the BYU preview later in the week. But just know, the dogs are coming, all right, baby? Uh, Sean, thanks as always, buddy, for your time. We appreciate it. A final thank you. A final thank you before we go to our friends at Fortis and Rick Lewis, the best commercial roofing business in the country for roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Make sure you visit fortis.us. Dot com. For Big Daddy Sean Mariner, for the signal caller Jed Drenning, for the runaway beer truck Owen Schmidt, I am Wesley Euler. Of course, the one thing we ask of you is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WVU football podcast. plenty to come this week, we got Pick'Em on Wednesday, we got BYU Preview on Thursday, Phil Steele on Friday, so keep it locked as 15th. always, you know where to...
2: Oh, where? Huh? We may have, we may have the return of Professor Schmidt for the BYU Preview.
1: Listen, Jed. All I need to know, all I, or all I need to say, is if if the if the poem or the preview doesn't include blood and Keaton Slovis, I don't want to hear it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he never forgave, and he never forgot. We'll talk to you guys later this week. You've been in the gun.